Hey friends, Jason Miller here. You're listening to the South Bend City Church Podcast. If you'd like to watch this teaching, just look for South Bend City Church on YouTube or find our Instagram account at SB City Church. Whether you're local and tuning in this way because our gatherings are suspended because of COVID or you're a member of our long-distance digital family, we love you and we hope you're well-served by this teaching. If you'd like to financially support the work, please go to southbendcitychurch.com give. I was listening to a teacher who's both a political philosopher and a theologian reflecting on the events of the past week or two in our country. And he, he used a term that I've heard before, but he went a little more deeply into it. He talked about the fog of war. And what he said is at times like this, a lot of us experience a kind of disorienting confusion, not really knowing how to see what's true and what's not true. And because you don't feel like you can see very well, it's hard to navigate your own life. Uh, like, how should we walk through all of this? And when vision is blurry and it's hard to see, that can lead to a deep cynicism, a kind of nihilism about the possibility of doing anything true and good right now. And as he said that, and I thought about conversations I've had with a lot of friends in the last week or two, it rang deeply true. So at the same time, uh, we are working through a season called Epiphany, which is about enlightenment. It's about uh, discovery. It's about seeing things that perhaps have been hidden, but are now made plain for us. And it's specifically and especially about discovering the divine life of God in Jesus. And then by that light, learning to see other things. So I think this is a really good time to keep moving in the direction of Epiphany. Now, we don't do this to disregard the details of what's happening right now. And if you've been with our community for a while, hopefully you know, that we're deeply committed to naming things and getting into the messiness of actual circumstances in our world. But at the same time, one of the ways to orient ourselves when, when the details are pretty muddy or disorienting is to gain a frame of reference beyond the current moment to help us reevaluate the current moment. And so we wanna to turn to these epiphany texts. Uh, another way that I think about it is to sort of paraphrase a quote from C.S. Lewis he talked about why he believes in Christianity and he um, says something like, I, I, I believe in Christ or this story uh, in the same way that I believe the sun has risen, not just because I've seen it, but because by it, I see everything else. And that's like the hope and the heartbeat behind discovering the life of God in Jesus, that not only do we see that bright light, but that through that and by that, we learn to see everything else. And so today I want to turn to a, a classic traditional epiphany text. This is one of those moments in the Gospels that the church has, has always turned to in this season to celebrate the life of God in Jesus and to learn how to see the world in the light of that. And the text that I'm talking about was also in our Gospel readings for the week. So if you tuned in last week or if you're following us on the newsletter or social media, you might know that uh, for the next six weeks or so, we as a community are reading through the Gospels, these four stories of Jesus, uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And the text that I'm gonna turn to was actually in our first day's reading of the first week. Uh, by the way, it's not too late to jump in. It's okay if you're behind. And you can always use the weekends to catch up because the reading plan is just five days a week, but we'd still love to invite you into that and you can find it uh, in our digital spaces. But let me, let me take you into this text uh, from Matthew chapter three. 
and, and just try to kind of work out the meaning of the epiphany that happens there. But before I get into the actual text, a little bit of background uh, on what's happening in Matthew chapter three. So this is the point where we transition from the infant narratives of Jesus, you know, the nativity scene stuff, uh, the word that comes to Mary and Joseph about this baby being born and that God is sort of being born into the world through this. And we're fast forwarding to Jesus as an adult. And here we're on the threshold of Jesus entering into his work in the world. We're on the eve of Jesus entering into his work in the world. So he's about to, to move forward into all of that healing and teaching and all of that justice that he brings and all these ways that God is gonna reveal God's self in a world that's desperate for it. But right before he moves into that work, this happens in Matthew chapter three. We read that Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. Now, John is Jesus's cousin, by the way, and John has been out there in the wilderness who's leading this kind of rogue movement. And there's a bunch of critique in this movement for the way things are in Jerusalem and the world at large. They're out there in the wilderness, sort of away from the system, forging a new vision of the world, independent of the system. And John is calling people to repent, to turn around from the investments that they have made in the status quo, to instead be invested in the world that God is bringing in. And they're being invited to be baptized in the Jordan River as a sign and symbol of that repentance, of that awakening, of that turning around. And so Jesus comes to be baptized by John. Now, John tried to deter Jesus saying, I need to be baptized by you. And do you come to me? But Jesus replied, let it be so now. It's proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. And then John consented. And as soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. And at that moment, heaven was opened and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. So this is the text and this is the epiphany that we wanna work out today. Now, we could spend a bunch of time on the way that this text gives us what you might call a Trinitarian picture of God because here we have God the Father speaking about God the Son and the Spirit descends. And we could work out for hours the strange revolution of realizing that God's self is somehow a dynamic relationship, not just some static, platonic, unmoved object. There's a lot there. We don't have time to go into that today. But I just want to observe that for Jesus, before he moves into all of that healing work in the world, before he does all of that powerful teaching in the world, before he becomes a force for goodness and truth and beauty in the world, before he's proven anything to anyone or done anything to earn anything, he goes into the water and he comes up and he has a profound encounter with his own belovedness coming from the divine voice. Jesus, before he does anything to earn anything, hears and knows his own belovedness with God. Now that's pretty good to see that in Jesus, right? I mean, that seems to say a lot about Jesus. But what's interesting about the way that the Matthew text is written is it, it seems like it's designed to remind us that this isn't just a story about Jesus. So let me, let me pan out a little bit and paint the bigger picture for you. In Matthew's text, which is written for a very Jewish audience, as Jesus is a Jewish leader who begins by leading a Jewish movement, right? In Matthew's text, the story of Jesus includes King Herod, who hears from the Magi 
that this new liberating leader has been born. And King Herod is threatened by news of this leader being born. So King Herod has a slaughter of young children affected in his part of that kingdom there in Israel. Right before the slaughter happens, Joseph hears uh, in a dream and a vision from God that this is gonna happen. And so he takes Mary and Joseph and they go down to Egypt. And then later, once Herod is calmed down, they come back up out of Egypt. And then Jesus, having come up out of Egypt, finds himself at the Jordan River when he goes through the waters and hears a, a voice of the divine calling him a beloved son. So that's uh, the big picture on what's happening in Matthew 3, as Matthew, a Jewish writer, is writing for a Jewish audience. And the thing is, this is a very Jewish story. Because way back in the founding story of the Israelite people, we read of the Exodus. And the Exodus is a story about the Israelite people, their whole family being there in Egypt when Pharaoh, an insecure king, feels that these people are a threat to his leadership. And so he commands the slaughter of innocent Hebrew baby boys. And then later Moses is raised up to liberate the people. They come up out of Egypt. They cross through the Jordan River as they enter the promised land. And back when Moses asked God, what am I supposed to tell Pharaoh about why this is all happening? God tells Moses that you should tell Pharaoh that Israel is my firstborn son. In other words, if you're like the original audience of this text and you hear Matthew telling a story about an insecure king who slaughters the innocents and about a, a liberator who was raised up, who comes up out of Egypt, who comes through the Jordan River and hears a voice declaring his belovedness as a son of God, you're gonna be hearing very clearly that this isn't just a story about Jesus. You're gonna be hearing that it's your story, your people's story, that this is a story about all of us. And if that's the case for the Jewish audience in the first century, it might also be the case that Jesus, before he does all of his good work in the world, before he moves forward into healing and truth telling and justice working and sacrificial dying and being raised up, that before any of that happens, that the first thing that initiates him into that work, when you hear that the first thing that initiates him into that work is that he knows his own belovedness, his own uh, belonging with God as a beloved son, you might remember that that was supposed to be a story that was true about you, too. Have you ever watched somebody else living something and something in your heart says, that's supposed to be true of me, too, but I've fallen asleep or resigned myself? Have you ever seen somebody else living with great freedom and you realize that you have resigned yourself to some kind of bondage and, and, and upon seeing their freedom, you are awakened a little bit and you start reaching for your own freedom again. Have you ever watched somebody else living with great wholeness and growth and integration and you realize that the fragmentation and disintegration of your life that you have simply resigned yourself to is not something that you were ever meant to resign yourself to because it's not supposed to be true of you either. That, there, that there's a deeper truth that your life is grounded in that you could uh, say yes to again. I suspect that the way that this story is told about Jesus, who knows his own belovedness with God before he moves forward into his good work, is perhaps to remind us that we too are supposed to know our own belovedness as we move forward into the good work that we have to do. Look, like I, like I don't have to tell you right now that the world is messed up. I don't have to tell you right now that our politics is broken 
that uh, things are gonna get harder before they get better. I don't have to tell you that we are in desperate need of healing. I don't have to tell you that there are injustices that are baked into the system and that as long as they are baked into the system, things are gonna stay broken. I don't have to tell you those things because they are as obvious and plain as day. And because frankly, we talk about that stuff a lot as a community. But I wonder if what we have forgotten is the thing that Jesus knew, which is that all of us have come from love and we are called forward in love and that all of the good work that we are here to do, all of the healing and all of the truth telling and all of the building and creating and all of the justice that we are meant to do in the world, that the best versions of those things will come when we know our own deep belovedness. That there's nothing that we could prove that would make us more held in the love of God, that there's no earning with the love of God, that it's simply given day after day after day, that we are living in a current of love whether we know it or not. So uh, I wanna propose an exercise for us with this text today. And I wanna propose that this exercise might be one of the things that will illuminate uh, the world that we're living in right now a little bit. That, that we need some fresh enlightening uh, in the fog of war that we are facing. I wanna propose this, this exercise might help. It's a simple sort of imaginative way of interacting with this text. And um, I'm kind of borrowing this, especially from our Jesuit brothers who have had this way of praying and reflecting for a very long time. Uh, so here's my proposal. And this is honestly the big point of the sermon. Not that you just hear my ideas today or a little bit of knowledge about the text, but that you that you would like, practice this as a way of opening your heart to the truth of this. Here's the proposal. Uh, that sometime this week, you would carve out, I don't know, 15, 20 minutes to, to sit with this text and to imagine it in a few different ways. Uh, first, that perhaps as you read the text, you would just imagine that you're there as a witness to it. That you are there 2,000 years ago, you're at the Jordan River, that you are surrounded by throngs of other people who have come out to see this strange thing that John is preaching. And then Jesus shows up and you hear John say these strange things to Jesus about the fact that, that Jesus seems to be uh, sort of exalted by John, that John sees something in Jesus that John was always pointing toward. And then in your imagination, perhaps you actually imagine Jesus being baptized by John. And you hear the breaking of the water as his body goes down into the river and uh, you hear those strange sounds from the river as his body comes back up. And that while you are there, you too hear this voice sort of speaking from the heavens, the ultimate reality, the ground of everything is sort of speaking up in this moment and calling Jesus beloved son. And that you see the spirit descending, that something is sort of landing on Jesus like a dove. Uh, just perhaps imagine that for a moment. And then having imagined being a witness to this story and letting yourself feel whatever you feel, opening your heart to whatever arises in that imagining. Next, perhaps you would imagine yourself in the place of Jesus. Because if I'm right, this is not just a story about Jesus, it's a story about all of us. Matthew has written this text explicitly to remind his audience that what's true for Jesus is true for us too. That before we prove anything or do anything, and for, perhaps before we go out and do our best work in the world, that we are here to know our own deep belovedness. And so perhaps you'll imagine yourself in this story now. And it's you who walks forward and comes to John and says that you would like to be baptized. 
as a way of uh, divesting in the status quo and saying, I'm awake and ready for the good future that God wants to build. And you feel yourself going down below the water and the weight of that water comes across your chest. And for just a moment, you're immersed in this water and it's a little bit like a current and a little bit like a womb and a little bit like a tomb. And you come back up out of the water and this time it's a voice speaking about you. And the voice says, this is my beloved son. This is my beloved daughter. And it has nothing to do with how impressive you are or what you have earned. It's not a statement about your track record. It's an intrinsic statement about the relationship between God and you. And you hear this voice calling you beloved. And as the voice calls you beloved, you too sense something like spirit descending on you, filling you, opening you up. And in this moment, you realize that you are also here to do good work in the world, to bring healing and justice and to tell the truth, but to do it from a place of deep belovedness. And then one more move in this exercise, which is after you have seen Jesus and given witness to his experience there in the Jordan, and after you've allowed yourself to be a participant in this experience in the Jordan, maybe you'll think of somebody else and maybe they're a neighbor, maybe they're a family member, or maybe they're an enemy. And you'll be there in the crowd and you maybe didn't realize that they were there in the crowd too, right? But in this imaginative prayer, you realize that they're the one called forward and they find themselves in the river and they go under the water. And as they come up, they too, hear a voice of belovedness calling out their belonging with God. And maybe that's a way of um, honoring these neighbors and family members and even enemies. Maybe it's a way of praying for them that some of the healing that they need would come from knowing their own belovedness. Uh, this, is, this is the hope for the week, um, that we would let this epiphany really enlighten us and ground us and tell us the truth about ourselves and our neighbors and our enemies. Uh, this isn't a way, again, of being naive about the world that we're living in right now. We've got lots of work to do, friends. But it's a way of grounding ourselves in something deeper than the current circumstance. So this week, may you know your belovedness. May you know what Jesus knew, that there is nothing that we earn or require to gain our place in the family of God, that we simply open our hearts to this sense of belonging that God has always been offering us. May this knowledge of love empower us in a world that is begging for justice and healing and truth. But may we do that work from the deepest place of love so that we can build a world of love. And may grace and peace be with you, friends.